Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're talking about two propositions that Phoenix voters will see on their ballots this August. We'll break down how they'll affect not just Phoenix, but other cities if they pass. So we live in Arizona, which means we are still in election mode, per always, and another election is right around the corner. You may not live in Phoenix where this one is happening, but this will still affect you. Proposition 105 would permanently end light rail expansion in Phoenix. Proposition 106 is dealing with managing the city's pension liabilities. People start receiving their ballots July 31st, and these elections tend to get low turnout, but that means if you vote, your vote really will matter this time. Here to talk about these two initiatives on the ballot this cycle is reporter Jessica Baim, who covers the city of Phoenix and who you know very well. Thanks for having me back, you guys. Always happy to have you. Let's talk a bit about these two ballot measures, please. Uh, What are these propositions? And full disclosure, I know almost nothing about them. That's a fair full disclosure, because I think if you polled a lot of residents, even of Phoenix, they would probably say the same thing. It's been very quiet, but basically both of these propositions have the opportunity to drastically impact the future of Phoenix, both its transportation future and also its funding future. Um, One of the propositions could greatly alter how we uh, look at city budgets moving forward, and that could have national impacts. Okay, so that stirs the wonk in me. So those sound important. Why has this been so quiet? Campaign finance reports came out this week, and I saw that nobody's raising a lot of money. I was almost surprised, really, none of the groups are bringing in enough money, the kind of money you need to truly influence a citywide election and educate 1.6 million people who live here. We're expecting this to be a very low turnout election because it's an odd year, August election. So why are these happening then at such a seemingly random time, and especially when you, even though you have organized campaigns around them, they're not really active. Well, these were citizen-brought initiatives. So this came from people going out in the community, collecting signatures, and once the city verifies them, which they did earlier this year, there are certain time constraints, but basically they have to hold it at the next you know, state-approved election date, which for us is August. So this is just legally when we have to do this and have some more fun with elections. So let's talk about the specific propositions. A lot of people obviously are very familiar with light rail. What would it do? Yeah, so the first proposition that you'll see on your ballot, Prop 105, it is about the light rail. And basically what it would do is halt all future spending on the light rail as far as expansions go. So we would not be able to put in any additional rail in Phoenix using city tax dollars. But if there were future rail projects, Tempe is doing a streetcar, Phoenix would be precluded from ever doing something like that. There's always been talk of a high-speed rail between Phoenix and Tucson. That would be off the table with this as well. Okay, so that seems pretty dramatic. Uh, Does this do anything to affect current light rail operations? 
It does not. So everything that you can see, if we went out to the window and we looked outside and saw the light rail, that would continue its operation as it's currently operating. But there are plans for significant expansions of the system in the next several decades. That is what would be impacted. And that money instead would be dedicated to go where? So it would specifically be dedicated to go to other transportation projects. Right now, the money that the city plans to use for those light rail projects uh, came from a sales tax increase approved by voters in 2015. So this proposition wouldn't end that sales tax or not getting any money back. What it would do is it would take the money that we were planning to spend on light rail and it would go towards other transportation-specific projects, so buses, streets, sidewalks, you name it. How did this Proposition 105 get started? So last year, there was a big protest movement that kind of started up in South Phoenix because of a proposed light rail expansion down Central Avenue that would take it from where it currently is in downtown, down Central to Baseline, so straight through South Central Phoenix. This has been in the plans for a very long time, and a lot of people said they were never told of those plans. A lot of the business owners said that they specifically were never given notice that it would take the street from four lanes to two lanes, um, and that was a real sticking point for people. So they went before the council several times and asked them to change that plan. And when the council ultimately said, no, we're going to go ahead with the plan we have, they launched this initiative attempt. And now, instead of just getting rid of South Central light rail, this initiative would get rid of all future light rail. Okay, so let's talk about that for a second. How did it jump the tracks, if I can use that oh, bad goodness. pun. Uh, how did we move from cancel this one project to cancel them all? Well, I think once um, people started saying, we're going to take this to the voters, once the people in South Phoenix who were angry started saying that, people started coming out of the woodwork, people who are you know, fundamentally opposed to light rail. Basically, those people encouraged the South Phoenix people that instead of just making it a South Phoenix issue, which would be really hard for the rest of the city to relate to, to really challenge the system as a whole. Who is for and against Proposition 105? So for it, you know, you have people like Councilman DeCicio, you have people who um also live around some of the current light rail who don't like it, um, specifically the 19th Avenue extension. There's a lot of neighborhoods up there who really don't like light rail. Um, and you mostly have people who either have a direct impact, a fear of a direct impact, or who are these you know, conservative, fundamentally opposed to light rail because of its cost type people. Well, the people who are fighting this, who want to keep things going as it is, are all of the people you would expect. They are your City Hall insiders. They are pretty much the entire council, with the exception of Councilman DeCicio and Councilman Jim Waring. Um, you have the mayor, the unions, the people who are going to get contracts from these uh, light rail projects. They are all trying to fight it to keep things how they are. Let's move on and talk about the second proposition that is also going to be appearing on Phoenix residents' ballots. What is Proposition 106? So this one is the one that is very 
complicated. Um, it has to do with government pensions. Most people in you know private industry now don't, but government employees um, have pensions. Over the course of the recession, um, specifically, the city's pension debt has stacked up to a, a pretty terrifying level. Um, it's about $4.4 billion. And there are different feelings about how to address that. Okay, so how are they planning to do that? What this proposition would do would basically be not reform the pension systems, but force the city to freeze all of its spending until it pays off the majority of that debt, which could have huge impacts on city services. A lot of cities have this pension problem. How is Phoenix any different from them? They're not any different. This is happening literally across the nation. Um, I would say that how it's different in the Valley is that Phoenix is so much bigger. So just by sheer size, our pension debt is larger. $4.4 billion is significant. But truly, everyone across the country is dealing with this problem. So Phoenix is on the hook for $4.4 billion, with a B, right now. Well, yes and no. Right now is the sticking point. Um, this is money that we know that they have to pay to their retirees. Most of the time when you retire, you don't get your your pension check all at once. So it is money that they owe. It does not have to be paid at this given moment. The city of Phoenix, for example, plans to spend $426 million this year of its budget paying off this debt. So this would take that and then add to it with any additional revenues. So what portion of this debt is unfunded? So the $4.4 billion number is what they owe of their total pot that they that they have to pay off. It's hard to quantify their entire pension debt because they have different systems. And Phoenix's PSPRS funds are funded at about 42 or 43%, which a lot of people would say is like an unhealthy funding level. Generally, people say like 80 to 90% would be like really good health. Um, the initiative, Prop 106, would require the city to cap its spending until it reaches a 90%. So has the city changed the pension system in the last, say, 10 years to prevent the accumulation of pension debt? And, you know, has it done things like changing eligibility or, or something like that that would, you know, try and avert this kind of problem? There have been many reforms in the last several years, both to the PSPRS system and the civilian system that basically cap ben benefits and limit cost of living increases. These are reforms that will end up saving the city and the state billions over time. But that's the problem. It's saving billions over time. And we still are on the hook for the promises we made to the people before we made these reforms. Um, so today, you're not getting as good of benefits as a police officer or firefighter that retired, you know, 10, 20 years ago, but we're still on the hook for what we told them we'd pay those people then. So long term, we will see positive changes, but this is really more about addressing the problem today. So by the time our kids are working or they might be okay. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> so who and what would this proposition affect? This could affect everything the city does. You know, you think of what does the city provide for you? Libraries, parks, uh, your trash pickup, I don't know, a lot of things. I could go on and on. And basically everything except for public safety would be capped to what it's at now. 
So things that could be affected are like the summer recreation program, the library hours, like you mentioned, and pool hours. It will remain how it is now, funding will. But it's important to note, like with library hours, we're not restored to where we were before the recession. The city was trying to catch up to where it was, you know, early 2000s. It hasn't yet. And now with this, it would not be able to. Okay, so who's behind this proposition and who supports it? So the initiative was kind of a pet project of Councilman uh, DeCCO, um, and he teamed up with a couple of you know politicos uh, that have national ties to a conservative movement to be more, um, as they consider, responsible with their budgets. There is a group working nationally on solutions to what they call budget issues and Part of that is, of course, with pensions. Um, here locally, they're trying this route. And um, if it works, I think their idea is that they would bring it to other cities um, and kind of make it for a model of how to solve the, the pension problem. Um, so the people that are backing this, I think like it's important to know what they feel. They feel that this is a ticking time bomb, that this debt will someday like get to a level where the city can't sustain itself and that someday when our kids are, you know, enjoying their parks and libraries um, with their children, that it will be an even worse situation and they feel that they should address it now. Who is against it and why? So everyone who's against the light rail initiative is pretty much against this one as well. And for the same reasons, they feel that this is limiting, you know, investment in Phoenix. Uh, they feel that the city has not fully recovered from the recession and it would be um, irresponsible to stop its growth now. Um, and it could ultimately put the city in a position where it has to make some really tough choices, um, even though this pension debt isn't due today. This is going to be another August election. Seems like turnout is always pretty low for these sorts of things. Any guess as to what reasonable turnout might be for this? Based on the political wonks I've talked to, they're like, yeah, it's going to be like maybe 20%. And these decisions have the potential to affect the millions of people who don't live in the city of Phoenix, right? Sure, absolutely. I mean, the saying is always like, as goes Phoenix, goes the valley. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about the light rail, the current expansion plans for the light rail system, which traverses three major cities, it also goes through Mesa and Tempe, um, all of the expansion plans are in Phoenix. So if you're a rider that initiates your ride in Mesa or Tempe, your options for your departure are going to be limited. In addition to that, the Prop 106 with the pension health, I mean, we already talked about how it could be, you know, model legislation, if you will, for other cities. It could also affect, you know, how our local cities are looking at um, their debt and also the services that they can provide. What's been the response to these props? Basically, people who don't like the propositions, they're, they paint both of them as being 
a cap on investment at a time when Phoenix is just starting to reach its potential. Um, and people who support both say that this is about financial responsibility. Um, light rail is an expensive mode of transportation. Um, obviously, we've already hashed out why they believe that this is the responsible way to budget. So it, it really just depends on how, how you look at it. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts looking at the political implications of these issues. So you've mentioned Sal a couple of times on this. He is a Republican member of the city council. Does this do these two measures have any sort of partisan overtones to them? Is this sort of more of a Republican or a Democratic thing? Yes and no, I would say. Yes to the effect of I would say people who are like the right of the right who, on the fiscal side, want both of these things to pass because they hate light rail and they hate the fact that we have this much pension debt. Um, and so from that perspective, yes, you do have this conservative um, edge on both of those. That being said, you haven't seen a heck of a lot of Republicans coming out and being all gung-ho on these because there are serious implications of both. And especially, you know, when you think of people like contractors and developers and people who might typically be right of center, they make a lot of money off of city contracts and light rail contracts. I mean, this would have huge implications for them. So you're not seeing that typical Republican stronghold coming out and supporting these things. How about Phoenix Mayor Kate Gallego? What does she say? So Mayor Gallego has been in office for only a couple of months now. So this is really like her first big moment. She has been extremely outspoken uh, against both of these. She uh, is definitely a light rail supporter. She has talked about how she thinks Prop 106 is extremely dangerous. She used part of her state of the city address to talk about that. I would say that that was the main point of her state of the city address. So she is definitely taking a hard line on this. And I think that the outcome will speak to her power and influence as a mayor. So are there any outside groups or people trying to influence uh, these propositions? So there has been some outside influence, which has been a big talking point. Um, the group that is against both of these propositions say that this is all outside spending from out-of-state interests and that they're not really concerned about us locally in Phoenix. Um, the money for Prop 106 we're not exactly sure where it's coming from. It's being funneled through a national political nonprofit um, so that the donors can be hidden. They have told me that they were all Arizona donors. Can't confirm that for you. As far as Prop 105 goes, which is the light rail, they've actually not raised very much money at all. Um, there was a lot of talk for a long time that the controversial Koch brothers were going to come in and kill light rail here, as they have done in other places around the country. That does not appear to be the case. And to be clear, the implication for the Koch brothers is their wealth is derived in part from fossil fuel industries. They would be interested in making sure that there's not some kind of transportation system that takes cars off the road or some such thing. Exactly. When voters get their ballots a little bit later in July, early August, uh, they might be a little confused. The language is going to be very confusing. You're going to get a pamphlet that will break down in legal terms really what these 
uh, initiatives would do, it is difficult to understand oftentimes what these things mean in layman's terms. So what are the, I guess, biggest misconceptions or um, questions that you're getting from people as they are trying to kind of wrap their, their minds around what these two things would do? Sure. I'm getting a lot of questions. I, I think one of the biggest things I hear on the light rail is that people still think that this is only applying to South Phoenix and that that would be the only extension impacted. That's not the case. And both sides are trying their best to educate people and say, no, this is a lot bigger than South Phoenix. As far as the pension initiative goes, it is so complex. The pension issue, city budgets, it's something that very few among us have the joy of living through day to day. And I have heard from the anti-group that they are concerned that people will read that and it'll be one of those things that sound really good on paper because who doesn't want to be more responsible with our money? Um, and they're worried that people won't understand the full implications of some of those things we talked about, like the potential to cap city services like libraries, for example. Um, and so that's one of those where I could see people reading that and not understanding the full context of it easily. So voter turnout is expected to be low, maybe 20 percent, as you said. Um, of course, one way of looking at that is if you vote, your vote matters quite a bit. The ramifications may affect you even if you don't live in Phoenix. So tell your Phoenix friends to vote, watch the outcomes, and follow Jessica's top-notch reporting on azcentral.com, and you can um, go back in our website and look at all of the stories that she's written, not just about this issue, but uh, many others. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the pod. We always like having you. Thank you. I love to be here. Where can people find you on Twitter? I am at jbame underscore news, and bame is B-O-E-H-M. That's it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez with oversight from Kayla White. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.